Hello, everyone. Welcome to Queerly Recommended, the podcast where we recommend queer films, books, TV shows, and more. I'm Chris Bryant, a contemporary romance writer for Bold Strokes Books, and this week I'm recommending a film from 2023. And I'm Tara Scott. I review sapphic fiction at the Lesbian Review and Smart Bitches Trashy Books. And this week, speaking of sapphic fiction, I'm recommending a sapphic romance novel. Yay! As always, just want to take that minute to thank everyone who supports the show. Thank you so much for the folks that, you know, they've signed up for our newsletter on Substack. You are sending us some funds through coffee, which helps keep all of this running. We have links to both in our show notes. And also, if you've told a friend, we appreciate you. If you have a friend to tell, please go ahead and do that. The world is getting weirder all the time. Mm. I think especially when it comes to uh, things happening to queer people. And we just want to keep, you know, spreading that visibility of the media and entertainment things that that bring us joy so well said my friend well said thank you also i feel like we should warn people we're recording this on a monday (laughs) evening and uh as always that comes with a little bit of a warning label because we have slightly less of our shit together than we typically Mm -hmm. do when we record these on sundays that's true doing this at the end of a long work day that first day back to work also is like a where am i what am i doing (laughs) who are you what's happening so yeah it's one of those can you hear that dog barking right now i cannot hey well that's good news i don't know she must see something out the window it could be a car it could be an animal it could be nothing perhaps a ghost i don't know but she's yelling about (laughs) it dogs it's so funny. I have, uh, I called two coworkers. So we had like a little bit of a mini ice storm. And so a lot of people mm-hmm. worked from home. And Monday happens to be my day to work from home anyway. So I called one of the account managers and her dog's barking in the background. She's mortified. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I'm like, it's no big deal. So then I call somebody in uh, accounting and she has two Great Danes and they are barking. And she's like, oh my gosh, I'm sorry. I don't know what's going on. So something's going on with dogs barking today. Oh my today. goodness. <laughs> I think it's funny when coworkers do that too, because it's like, do you not remember that we all did this right. together for, for like, a long time? <laughs> two, three years ago, we all worked from home. Panda- like, aren't we used to dogs barking and kids busting in and all of that? <laughs> we are. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what's been going on with you lately? Well, I'm still trying to get this book done. I have uh, eight days left and about 10,000 words to write. You can so do that. I can do it. I can do it. I need to uh, I need to finish it, though. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, we took a little family trip. Uh, my dad's 80th birthday was last week. Mm-hmm. And so my sister and I took him down to Tupelo. Mm-hmm. She had this this idea that um, she wanted to take my dad somewhere warm for his birthday because, you know, it's like minus 10. It's, we have Canadian weather or, you know, whatever you have up there. Yeah. yeah. So it was really, really cold. So my sister's like, well, let's take dad somewhere warm. So we decide to uh, go to Tupelo. There's a casino down there. Uh, she wanted to take him Tupelo. No, I'm lying. It's Tunica. Tunica. Oh, because you said Tupelo yeah. and I was like... I started to get that. Yeah. Doesn't Van Morrison have a song called <laughs> Tupelo Honey? So it's like, I have a song playing in my head. 
<laughs> and then I realized I don't actually know where this is. <laughs> well, so Mississippi. So we were going Tunica oh. for like a day. And then I, so we kind of split it up. Like she got to pick the first half of the vacation mm-hmm. trip, whatever. And then I got to pick the ha- the next half. And so I wanted to take my dad to Beale Street, listen to some really good music and just mm-hmm. like, you know, just sit, listen to music all day, have a drink, have really good food. Uh, yes. So that was my half. Uh, so the first half, we kind of am dr- we're driving because you have to drive through Memphis in order to get down to Tunica. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you, there is like snow and ice, and like the whole place is shut down. So like this massive ice storm goes south, like it hits us, and then a couple, and it's still like lingering. But on our way down, it was beautiful. It was perfect. We took the back roads. We got to see some really beautiful parts of the country that we hadn't seen before. And then we hit Memphis and like everything like just stopped like traffic. All of a sudden there was like three inches of snow and ice on the on the ground. And nobody is prepared for that down there. Like, Mm -hmm. like I don't know that they have a removal system. I I really don't know. So we like we make it to my sister has like an all wheel drive car. She drove. And so we make it to the casino. It's pretty stressful, but we make it. And it turns out like then that night there's an ice storm on top of everything else. So we're stuck in this casino. There's only one place to get food in this casino. All the other restaurants are closed. They can't get enough people in. People who work there have to stay in the rooms overnight because they can't get out. Like it is that bad. So I'm like, great. Awesome. Like, Mm -hmm. so where we were, there was a casino, two casinos kind of like sandwiched near each other like literally like with it you just walk across this little walkway and it's there Mm -hmm. we couldn't even get there what yeah it was so icy and i wasn't gonna have my 80 year old father walk on ice to go to a different casino i'm like sorry dad we're stuck here (laughs) so you back him over (laughs) right so here's the thing like if you're in a casino and you're broke it is not fun there is nothing else to do the spa's closed there's nothing there's absolutely nothing to do like there's nothing oh, to do. No. So we got stuck there for a second day. So yeah. uh so my sister kind of panicked a little and she's like, I'm just gonna go ahead and cancel the Memphis trip. We're gonna go home. We're just gonna yeah. go home because we didn't know what was going on. So we get out and like the sun had come out and had melted a lot of the ice, the black mm-hmm. ice. So we actually said, Well, you know, we got a couple hours, let's go to the other casino, which literally is the next parking lot over. Yeah. So so we go there. And I'm winning. I am winning. My sister's like, we got there at 10 in the morning. And mm-hmm. she's like, we have to leave no later than noon because we have to get on the road. We want to get home before, you know, it gets super late. Mm-hmm. It's about an eight hour drive. Yeah. Oh, my. Yeah. Okay. So, so we're uh, we're in the casino and like I hit a jackpot. What? And I'm like, I can't leave. I'm like, I can't leave. I'm And like, they don't have enough people to like come out and like give you money and stuff so i had to wait forever so mm-hmm. then i'm i'm like waiting and so i hit the machine next to me and i win like money on that machine and like my dad i'm like dad because like i could see him I'm like dad come here so i go sit on this machine so anyway so we left at 1 30 because yeah. i kept winning and i finally and my sister i finally just said let's go let's just go because we need to get home like we need to get yeah. home how much did so, you win, or are you telling? I'm not telling. Ooh, you won a lot of money then. I was joking with my uh, my family. I'm like, okay, if we get in a wreck, 
uh, make sure you take the brick out of my front pocket because I had like this huge wad of hundred dollar <laughs> bills. And I'm like, here it is. So if something happens, take mm-hmm. that in case like, so nobody else can take it. So it's kind of right. And I'm like, hey, Patty, can you help me out of the car? She's like, are you okay? I'm like, you know, this brick in my pocket's really <laughs> weighing me down. <laughs> So we were joking about that, but mm-hmm. it was, that part was fun, but I was kind of sad yeah. that we didn't get to do the, the Memphis, the yeah. actual Beale street. Cause I, I know that my dad would really like that. So we're going to try to go back this spring. Oh, good. Yeah. That'll yeah. be very cool to check out. Yeah, I think so. Uh, when I went before I went to, like over an Easter weekend and it was like, perfect. It was the perfect weather. Mm-hmm. Everything was great. So Gotta that is what I have been doing. What about you? What have you been doing? Uh, well, we did get that like stupid butt ass cold. No, oh, like, you sent it, it to me. It was so bad. There were a couple days where it was minus thirty five Celsius, mm. wind chill of minus fifty. Dang. I don't know how to translate that to you, except to tell you that minus forty is the same in Celsius <laughs> or in Fahrenheit. It's so, just like it's unlivable. I mean, I yeah, don't know how you do it. I don't yeah, know how you do it. It's roughly similar. Oh, I did it by not going outside, except for the one day when I went for my haircut because I really hated how my hair looked before <laughs> that. I had tried something new for my previous haircut. <laughs> it just didn't turn out the way I wanted. And I even said to Neil, I was like, should I push my appointment out? Like, I'm kind of scared of going out when it's that cold. And he's like, mm-hmm. you hate your hair so much. You don't want to push it it out by a week or two. You got to go do it. So he drove me because he's wonderful. Um, But it was so cold that our poor little dog, she would go out to pee and she would not linger. She was not looking for neighbors (laughs) to yell at. She was not looking for garbage to pick up. Like she would be in and out and she would like hobble by the time she got back into the house. There was one time she didn't even make it back she fell over and neil was like oh god and he went and got her and brought her back so we like wrapped her in a fuzzy blanket and i held her tight and shared my body with her and, oh, it was so pitiful so thankfully it's mostly better and actually we're going into plus temperatures starting tomorrow i looked it up today i was talking to I was talking to my aunt i talked to her every monday evening and today was no exception and we always also talk about the weather and the temperatures and so i look at the fahrenheit's I look at the Fahrenheit's when I talk to her because she lives in Windsor, Ontario, which everybody does Fahrenheit. And I was like, oh, holy shit. It's like going to be 40 or 45 for most of this wow. week. And then it's going to be 60 on the weekend, apparently. Oh, my gosh. Is that wild? That uh, is. So if that's true, once the uh, sidewalks are a lot safer, because I don't trust our neighbors, so I'll clean their sidewalks appropriately and I'm not breaking a leg, I might go for like some walks or something. That was mm. That was pretty good. Today, I got to do a presentation at our company's all staff about the project that I'm leading, which is kind of for my product. Anyway, it's the biggest project happening. And I think we've talked before about that, like public speaking journey that I was on. We probably talked about it a couple of years ago when I did the interview at my company's conference, um, which actually want to listen to it. It's on the feed somewhere. Just look up JVN. Um, because I interviewed Jonathan Van Ness from Queer Eye um, at my company's conference and killed he was it, so, slayed so it. So lovely, and apparently thought I was such a good interviewer. Was like, "How oh, are you so good at this?" And I was like, "I'm pretending we're recording an episode of my podcast." <laughs> and he said, "Rip it for your podcast," and actually meant it. So yeah, if you want to hear that, that's there. But like seven years ago, I would have panic attacks with public speaking. Mm. And so even today, it was funny in my team meeting, because I sit on the marketing team. 
and somebody was leading an exercise where she was like, what, how present are you? Are you like a hundred percent present in this? Or are you like, you know, 60 or 70, like, what are you and why? And so it got to me and I was like, I'm 60% present because I'm tired. I had a terrible sleep and, you know, some other reasons. And I was like, and also I have to talk at our all staff today. And most of you don't know, but like I had a public speaking phobia and I still Mm. get nervous about it. And I made a joke about how I wanted to, and it's true. I did want to offer my one friend like 50 or a hundred bucks to do it. And then I realized, no, wait, he actually would do it. And then I'd owe him like a hundred bucks for doing it for me. (laughs) But for some people, that would be okay. Mm -hmm. Like me. Mm -hmm. So I did it. And it was awesome. Like, wow. I feel like I've gotten to the point on my journey where, yes, I still get nervous. Mm -hmm. I still have to do the deep belly breathing in the minutes beforehand to try to calm my nervous system. I have to keep reminding myself, I feel this way. Because I am excited because of what I'm going to share is important. Like all those tips that my friends have taught me over the years. But in the moment, it just felt good and it felt correct. And it was just one of those like, oh, is this the next kind of plateau of the experience? Wow. Is this where it is? So I didn't do all the shaking. I didn't breathe in and forget to breathe out. I didn't want to barf and I didn't want to die. So that's my big win. That is a big win. That's Mm -hmm. a massive win. Mm -hmm. Also, you're growing up. (laughs) You know, finally, I'm growing up just (laughs) a middle-aged girl. (laughs) Uh, Oh, and the other exciting thing that happened within the last week is that I finally... Finally, finally, I lived up to my promise. I promised it here on the podcast that (laughs) I would go to the GCLS conference (laughs) in July in St. Paul, Minnesota. Mm -hmm. And I booked my conference ticket. I booked my hotel room and I booked my flights. So if anybody is listening this year, it's not just Chris is going to be there. Both halves of this podcast. Right are going to be there, which means Chris and I also get to meet each other in person for the first time. For the first time. time. (laughs) (laughs) I'm excited. I know know that it's going to be fun. We're going to have a good time. Mm -hmm. We are. So look for us there. Mm -hmm. And we haven't planned anything yet. (laughs) But we will. We will. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Including just being there. So that'll be fun. Right. Chris, what have you been reading or watching lately? Okay, so football, hello. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So my team is going to the AFC Championship game. They won hey, yesterday. Congratulations. Right, right. So that was amazing. Like it was down to, like literally down to the wire the last mm-hmm. couple minutes. Like it was just stressful the whole time. It was a very stressful game. We played the yeah. Buffalo Bills and uh, it was brutal. Like, Josh Allen's a great quarterback. It was a really tough game and we pulled we pulled through and we we beat him. So that was amazing. So Congrats. Uh, but by the time this podcast drops, mm-hmm. I'll either be like super happy or not happy because then they play the divisional the championship game and if they win next week or this coming weekend, if they win mm-hmm. they go to the Super Bowl. Whoa. Yeah. Do you know who so. they're playing yet? Yeah, we're playing the Baltimore Ravens. 
I don't know why I asked that because I because you know zero as, about football. I know as soon as person. I said it, I was like, "Huh?" I was that like, "Wow!" Is a piece of information about which other team will be playing, right. and I don't know anything about the current state. I remember they used to be really good. Maybe they still are. I have no yeah. idea. They have a really good quarterback, so it's going to be a good game too. It's going to be hard. Nice. And so the other team, uh, so it, the other team that's playing is Detroit and um, the 49ers. So, and you know, I'm so into it now because of the whole football mm-hmm. card thing. And and it's kind of nice because whenever a team does well, like the card value shoots up. And I like, I like oh, sold yeah. four cards over the weekend, you know, graded cards. So that was yeah. nice. So. Yeah. I have some cousins that were super excited about the Lions doing so well. Yeah. You know, and, and they beat us the very first game of the season, they beat us. And I was just kind of like, Oh, I don't like the lions, but they have a really good team and they have really good players. A lot of up and coming rookies that really like outstanding mm-hmm. this year. Absolutely outstanding. And then I saw something on, was it TikTok? No. Instagram. I don't know. It was one of those social media sites where this dad was going through cancer treatments, an older man going through cancer, cancer treatments. And he dyed his hair blue in honor of the lions going to the playoffs. And That's so cool. one of the players like it must have been Twitter. So one of the players like retweeted it or said something to it. And I was just like, okay, now nah, I'm a Lions fan because it was so, <laughs> it was so touching yeah. and very sweet. And I love it when players are humble and they know what they appreciate their fortune and they appreciate mm-hmm. everything in their life. So I love that. I love, I love that they talk to their fans and it's just, it was, it's just such a good feeling. So it's yeah, been a lot of football good. lately. And then Chicago Fire's back on. You know how much I love that show. So Chicago Fire's back. So season 12, I saw episode one so far. Mm -hmm. So, And then, so the second season of Love on the Spectrum is out on Netflix. Oh, yeah. So they have a queer person on for the first time. Yes. Yes. Uh, Her name is Journey. And Mm -hmm. she's 18 years old. And she's absolutely cute as a button. You know, she she identifies as lesbian, but the people she went out with were identified as either bi or pan. She mm-hmm. had like three dates. I think they they had her on three dates or they recorded three dates with her. And then Connor. I love Connor. Like he like, I, you know, I didn't quite catch it. He has a brother and a sister, but I don't know if they're triplets. There might be triplets. Okay. I'm not quite sure. But uh, like the the mom is great, uh, just absolutely just a wonderful family, and they're very supportive, and they communicate so well with him, so beautifully with him, and he mm-hmm. he communicates like things that we wouldn't say, you know, as far mm-hmm. as just trying to get our feelings out, and like it's just so beautiful to watch that family interact. It really is, and and you you really are excited for Connor's you know experience, and and hope he finds love. And they show people from the first season that are still oh. together. <gasps> yes. That's so they have amazing. some, yeah, that are, there's, there's one couple that's still together. And then there's a couple of people that came back on the show. Mm-hmm. Like there's, or the, I, I, I don't want to, it's not like a show. It's like a, I don't know, like a documentary of sorts. I'm yeah. not quite sure what to call it, but uh, I absolutely loved it. We binged it. It's, it's over. It's, it was beautiful. I loved it. It was so good. So that is what I have been up to. Uh, That's what I've been reading and watching. What about you? I'm continuing with RuPaul's Drag Race season 16. So far, pretty good. Seems like a super strong crop of contenders. Mm. 
I do still find it hilarious that one of the queens has decided, I want the villain edit. I'm choosing infamy. Because <laughs> that's just not the way it's been the last like few years. It's been much more like, oh, no, when the fans turn on a queen, like it can be awful. And this this one is just like, nope, I'm going to say all the shitty things about all the other queens and I don't care. <laughs> and part of me wonders... I don't think she's doing it because she's white, but like, is it an easier choice for her to make because she's white? Because mm -hmm. the community gets awful with some of the black queens in particular, mm -hmm. but like some of just some of the queens that are not white, like there's just, there is unfortunately a lot of racism in mm -hmm. the, in the drag race fandom. I mean, there's a lot of world. racism in every community. I was going to so. say world. <laughs> yeah. It's not like it's kind of a unique thing, but like there are queens who have just been like, you know what? Uh, maybe drag isn't what I... Want to do? Also related to Drag Race, this is an aside, but I thought it was hilarious. So last season, there was a queen called Poppy, Princess Poppy, I think might have been her name or something like that. But she did Drag Race and she's like, I'm not going to do drag anymore. She showed up to the Emmys, though, <laughs> in like full on <laughs> goblin princess drag. Wow. Like the makeup is like prosthetics and all this like green goblin wow. in a beautiful dress. And I was just like, you know what? That is how you do it your way. Good for you. <laughs> I thought that was pretty great. Wow. Uh, so yeah, just of course, still watching that. Looking forward to, there's also like Canada just finished and congrats to Venus, who was absolutely incredible. First indigenous queen to ever win. Oh, nice. So very exciting season 16 is also a lot of fun and then in like a couple weeks uk versus the world is starting oh wow which is kind of like all stars because it brings back former contestants but they bring former contestants from across all sorts of different franchises so oh. some from the uk some from the us i think they have some from france wow some of the other european countries there's so many franchises now i literally could not list all the different countries that have drag races it's pretty amazing so i'm looking forward to that one i am still playing baldur's gate 3 <laughs> i think i will be playing it for a while but i love it it continues to be amazing it's so much fun so chris yes what is your official recommendation this week Okay, so my official recommendation is a movie that I watched twice, but not Ooh. because that it's so good, but it's because I missed a lot the first time. Okay. Um, so it's it's a very raunchy, it's very raunchy going in, like know that going into this movie. Okay. So think Hangover, but with women mm -hmm. and China, not Vegas. Oh, oh, so Joyride okay. is, the, mm -hmm. is the movie Joyride. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to read the little burb. Because that's mm -hmm. what I like to do. When Audrey's business trip to Asia goes sideways, she enlists the help of Lolo, her childhood best friend, Kat, a college friend, and Deadeye, Lola's eccentric cousin. Their epic no-holds-barred experience becomes a journey of bonding, friendship, belonging, and wild debauchery that reveals the universal truth of what it means to know and love who you are. Hmm. So that's why I watched it twice. I watched it the first time just because it was hilarious. And then the second time I watched it was just more for like, there was a lot going on story-wise. You know, they covered a lot with humor, but there was yeah. so much underlying messages that I wanted to catch all of that because I thought it was that good. 
Is it one of those where you were laughing so hard you actually couldn't pay enough attention to everything, but you let it keep rolling? It was kind of like, a, it has shock factor. Yeah. Like an, me, like me. <laughs> like I was like, oh, what? <laughs> so like, that's unusual, but, uh-huh. uh, but it did make me laugh. It was pretty funny. So basically you have two best friends who have been best friends since childhood. And the very opening scene is absolutely hilarious. I actually saw the scene, the first scene a couple times. It just made me laugh. It was just so good. Like you couldn't get two women more op- or two kids more opposite because they kind of mm-hmm. like, like in a flash of pictures, you see them grow up. You know, you see mm-hmm. Lolo who's like wild spirited. She's like carefree, fuck everything. And then you have mm-hmm. Audrey who is, she's actually adopted. A white family mm-hmm. adopts her mm-hmm. from China. And mm-hmm. so she is very structured she's a lawyer she's very successful she can hang with the big dogs type thing so her boss says go to china close this massive deal and you can become partner so she doesn't speak chinese at all like at all so her friend lolo her the Mm -hmm. childhood the wild child she speaks she speaks it so she's like mm-hmm. hey i'll go with you i'm gonna be the translator for this yeah. for this trip and she's like okay so they're at the airport and she goes oh by the way i invited my cousin dead eye <laughs> and so they're like she's like ah oh, no i haven't recovered from the hair incident yeah so, and you don't really know like what the hair incident is but you can only figure that like had something to do with burning and yeah. when they were kids so basically another like Lolo is I really liked her. I liked her character a lot. She's mm-hmm. very open. She's very she lives in Audrey's backyard, like in a she shed type thing. She oh, just lives okay. there. <laughs> so you know, it's kind of like everybody thinks she's like this freeloader, but she's really an artist and she's trying to like get herself out, get herself known, but not really. Like she's kind of holding back and you're not quite sure why. And that plays into all the relationships later. Like when you get into the movie more, you'll see like the different layers peel back and you Mm -hmm. get to the real people inside. Like Mm -hmm. I said, she was my favorite because she was also very open sexually. Like Mm -hmm. she was very into social media and she'd post live videos all the time. And she's like, hey, I'm going to this place. I'm going, I'm going to be in China. I'm going to be here. If there are any like males or females who want to hook up, let me know. I mean, she's like that open. Like in mm-hmm. her artwork is also very sexual. Like she she un like unveils this art piece she does, and it was actually the playground that they met at. But all of the playground equipment is like penises and vaginas, and it's just <laughs> hilarious. And it's just like what? And so like her friends just like like is that a the I can't I can't even ruin I don't want to ruin anything, but yeah, it's just yeah. it's really really good. Her best friend uh, from college, Kat, is actually over in China, and she's uh, like, I can't tell if she's like a movie star or like a TV show star. Mm-hmm. And so they go visit her on set, and immediately Lolo and her do not get along because they're both vying for her attention, for Audrey's attempt- attention. You know, it's one yeah. of those where I'm be- I'm a better friend than you are. Well, I've been her best friend forever. Well, I was her college friend, and I'm successful, and you're not. So, I mean, there's like a whole thing going on. So all of these friends are extremely different people, like with different problems, but they have each other's strengths and weaknesses. So when mm-hmm. one character is down, even though they're fighting, they still like lift her up. So there's mm-hmm. a lot of support to this movie. And I really like that. And of course, the humor is hilarious. And 
one time Lolo is having a conversation about her artwork. And this is the thing I really liked. I actually went back and watched it again. She's having a conversation and he's like, the guy that she's talking to is like, are you doing this for shock value? You know, your art, you know, the penises and vaginas and everything. And she's like, no, I'm just doing it to start a com- start the conversation about mm-hmm. sexuality, about everything. Like everybody be comfortable with it because sex is such a natural thing, you know, whether it's gender or your preferred or just sex in general. God, I'm like totally fucking this up tonight. It is it's Monday. Monday. <laughs> You're doing yeah. great. I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I'm not doing great. That was bad, but that's okay. Like Neil could probably do some chopping. Sure. Cut out the weird stuff. Um, <laughs> yeah. So the queerness in this, and this is one of the things I really liked. Deadeye is she, her at the beginning. And at the very end, like it's like a year later and they do another girl's trip. Like it was the first one was kind of accidental. So then they decided to make it a yearly thing mm-hmm. and like smooth transition into they like the physical trans transformation and like nobody talks about it it's just like Mm -hmm. everything is open and it just like doesn't phase anybody and you can kind of see it happening you know in the movie so it was really i really like the way they did that and how accepting it is Mm -hmm. so i hope that everybody who has a who is either coming out as transitioning somehow that i hope that they have the support and friendship that is portrayed in this movie like it's it's mm-hmm. really all about relationships and you know how much i love movies about relationships like that is yes. my thing and this movie yes. is is all about relationships when they go bad when they go really good when you know you need a support team there there are your people and it's just it's just a good movie like again mm-hmm. watch out because it it is kind of raunchy i'm not going to lie it's yeah that's fine it's it's fun though it's it's fun flirty fun very sexual just maybe but also, watch it with your kids <laughs> Do not watch it with your children. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like after they go to bed, watch it, and then you'll you'll enjoy yeah. it. It is a cute movie. Yeah. Well, that so. sounds fun. Yeah. So that is my official recommendation. Um, what about you? What is yours? So mine is the latest from Gunbrook, and it's mm. called Limelight. The thing to know for me is that Gunbrook was one of the first authors I ever read when mm. I started reading lesbian romances. Nice. And so she has always and will probably always hold a very special place in my heart. Not every book has worked for me, but the ones that have, like, they just feel right. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, like, Course of Action was one that I loved very, very much. Fierce Overture was another one that I loved very, very much. And that one in particular is really important when it comes to Limelight because a couple of the characters show up in this one as side characters. So in this story, one of the leads, her name is Palmer. Um, She used to be a really hot music producer. And, you know, she was she would produce music for some of the biggest artists around until seven years prior to the events of the story. She had a DUI and some of what happened in the media Mm. kind of with the DUI. she, She just ended up becoming like really reclusive. And now she like writes jingles and stuff for advertising, like just totally different lifestyle. But she's really good friends with Helena Forsyth and Noelle Laurent, who are the two leads from Fierce Overture. And they say like, okay, look, you've been living like a hermit for the last seven years. You need to come and do this show with us because they're the other two. I think they're created it. Like, I think Helena's one of the creators. 
but also their coaches on this new like American Idol style. Hmm. Of course, it doesn't ever say American Idol in there. That's just me saying that. So it's like an audition based singing competition show because Noelle is like one of the the top um, soul pop singers and Helena is her wife who runs the um, the what do you call it? a company recording company? Sure. I don't know. Sure. That's what we're going to call it today. <laughs> it's a Monday and I don't know what they're called. Anything goes. Um, but they said, like, look, we need a third coach because this isn't even a show where like they have to be judges. Like they'll give feedback, but the audience votes on who actually mm, wins okay. and goes through. So they each get their own little set of singers that they're going to coach through the competition. Okay. And then somebody will win and be launched into this new incredible career. Although, of course, you know, from watching American Idol, you don't always have to win to get right. an incredible career out mm -hmm. of a show like that. Mm -hmm. In fact, it's probably better to not win. So you're not locked into some of the promotional year, stuff. Later. Right. Yeah. <laughs> And so Palmer agrees to it kind of reluctantly, but you know, they, they're very good at pointing out like you, you did really love finding and nurturing big talent. So this would be good for you. So the other lead is Liberty Bell, who goes by Libby. She's a wild card entry to the show, which means the producers have added her. So there's two wild cards. They've added her and somebody else that doesn't feature in the story really. And so the coaches didn't choose her in the audition episodes. So all they know is that these two wild cards are going to show up and like, I guess we'll see how they are. And like, spoiler, she's fucking awesome. Like, of course, <laughs> like she's amazing. And so, you know, the, the judge, sorry, not judges, the coaches are just as surprised as everybody else when she steps on the stage and she blows everyone away. And she just really, like so many that do these things, she just really wants that career in singing because she loves it so much. But also, you know, Libby doesn't trust anybody that easily because she's been estranged from her family for a decade. She's shy. She's quiet. And she has like, it sounds like she has like some friends, but they're mostly coworkers. Like she just has this kind of small life because she doesn't have a lot of money. And she's not the most happy to have Palmer as her coach because Palmer is kind of a dick for a while. <laughs> And so she really wanted to work with Helena or Noel, which makes sense because they're just these really warm, lovely people. <laughs> and of course, Palmer is also not the most thrilled once she realizes, oh, no, I'm attracted to Libby, who is younger. And also I am coaching her and it is against the rules of the show. Oh, <laughs> what are we going to do? And so we have one like very prickly grumpy coach and we have one shy and not particularly trusting contestant, but they have all these little moments together here and there. Um, and they feel very organic, but these really special moments where they just start to let each other in mm. and the timing sucks, but it just is lovely and it works. So Obviously, I hadn't read this before. It only just came out in December. But there was something about it that felt so good and so familiar. And I think it might just be the author's writing style. Like, I know when I'm reading a contemporary romance by this author because it just feels right. So it felt sort of like, oh, I had I didn't know I had this sweater in the drawer. And then you put it on. And you're like, oh, that's comfortable. That's nice. I like this one. That's my, <laughs> that's my sweater. So <laughs> there's some things that I really liked about this. Of course, I love reality show romances, and I especially mm -hmm. love competitive reality show romances. I think that if you're going to have a romance that doesn't have like a breakup in the third act, this is a perfect setting for them. 
because there's already so much tension with wondering, is the contestant I'm rooting for going to win? So like, say it's a situation like this where it's like one contestant and one coach or one contestant or one judge. It's like, okay, well, is Libby going to win this thing? Like, I want, I want her to win. I love her. Mm-hmm. She's my person now. Like, is this, is this going to happen? Um, Did you read or, ahead? The answer is always no. No, the answer is usually yes for me, but I don't think I did this time. <laughs> All right, I'm I'm Holy proud of shit, you. Holy shit, I didn't. See? I read it so quickly. I read it so quickly. No, listen, we've talked about this before. The reason I read ahead is because I'll get this feeling of anxiety. And then my brain is like, we're dying. And and the way to diffuse that feeling (laughs) is to to skip ahead. But I didn't do it this time, actually. That's really good. Kudos to Gumbrook, then. I know. I didn't even think of that. Dang it, I just I it was something? it was like I was just being propelled through this book. I love it. And again, I read that one in a day. I a believe little it over a day. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was just so easy to sink in and read. So yeah, like I like the idea of, and I, I don't even think it's um, I suppose it's a tiny bit of a spoiler to say that there's no breakup in the third act, but mm. w- whatever. I think it really works in this kind of a setting. So you still get that tension because if you don't have a breakup, it's like that. Sorry, I'm saying this really badly. Monday, Monday, Monday. <laughs> um, I hate Monday. You need to have some kind of a tension happening in a romance novel for it to work pretty effectively. Mm-hmm. Typically, that is the like, okay, we're going to have these two people and they're going to get together. And then at some point, they're going to break up for reasons, but then they'll get back mm-hmm. together and then everybody will be happy. But sometimes it doesn't have that. And if it doesn't have that, there has to be tension coming from somewhere. And in this particular case, it is coming from the show. So I thought that was really effective. I also love, like, I think we've talked about this before. I love my ice queens. I don't know Mm -hmm. if it's fair to call Palmer an ice queen because she's so butch. I like that Sheena at the Lesbian Review has introduced, like, there are similar ways to just to think of butch lesbians though and so she uses the term beast or grump totally palmer and so i thought it was really interesting to see that plus libby who i don't even know how to categorize her because you have like this beast who's like really caustic and kind of like like i said she was kind of a dick for some of it but then you have libby who also like she would lash back at palmer sometimes Mm. when palmer was being kind of a jerk and so i thought it it was interesting to see like they both they both have to warm up to each other it's not like some girl next door warming up an ice queen or anything like that it's like <laughs> no we have to learn how to talk to each other and we have to learn how to be softer with each other and i really enjoyed getting to see as they started to reveal their vulnerable sides i thought that worked really well i will say this is a very i mean i suppose every story is time box i was gonna say this is a very time box story yeah no shit every story is but i suppose the time frame for this one is a little shorter because it starts with palmer being recruited to be a coach only a couple of weeks before the show starts and then we know from that that they only have seven weeks together and Mm. we actually never see them like the story ends with the the final episode so we don't see their their life that sort of comes after that Mm. and with them only knowing each other for seven weeks, like I really think it is just the beginning of them showing that vulnerability and that beginning of them softening. And I think that's fine. And it makes sense because seven weeks of knowing someone is but barely. Have you met them. lesbians? 
Oh, also my parents, by the way, I don't know if I ever told this story on here. My parents got engaged 19 days after they met. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And they're still happy. (laughs) Are your parents lesbians? (laughs) I don't know. It happens. I now I really want to ask, but I don't know how they would take the question. (laughs) Oh, my God. That would be amazing. Hey, 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 mom. Mom, are you you a lesbian? (laughs) What? Is dad a lesbian? (laughs) What? Just saying. Okay, and then the other thing that I really, really, really loved about this story, like I said, I love it when authors bring back characters from a previous story. Mm -hmm. I had no idea that Helena and Noel would be side characters in this story. And so that was a huge delight. And then they actually get like quite a bit of page time. Like not so much that it takes away from the main romance. It's actually just enough so that they can be there as a sounding board for Palmer. And we get to see them like they're married, they're settled in this beautiful, loving marriage. And it gave me kind of all of those like, oh, I love them. Mm-hmm. I go back and read that. So I read that book too. <laughs> that was the other <laughs> book that I read. Wow. So the funny thing about that one is it's m- more angsty, more dramatic. <laughs> and so we're going to bundle a little recommendation within a recommendation. Ah. <laughs> So with Fierce Overture, the idea is that Helena is the CEO of the recording company. Noel is kind of one of their most important stars that they have there. But Noel's been making music for a decade. She wants to make her own music, but she's under contract to make another mm-hmm. album of what she's kind of always done before, the more dancey, poppy kind of soul pop. Mm-hmm. And so Helena's like, you can't do that? Like... I'm sorry, you're under contract and we are a company and companies need to make money. And she's like, and Noelle's basically like, well, then fuck you, I guess, because I want to make the music I want to make. But things happen so that Helena gets to see like, oh, she wants to go singer songwriter style. Her lyrics are so beautiful and like really touch the soul and her voice is perfect for it. And maybe it can happen. And they sort of fall in love along the way. And There are some things that I think hit a little bit differently since Me Too, of course, because Mm -hmm. like an artist under contract and the CEO of the company, like there's a little bit of dynamic weirdness there. But I actually appreciate that Helena kind of calls herself out for it because their first kiss is before they've had any kind of a conversation and Helena kisses her and then she apologizes later and she's like, that's wildly inappropriate. Right. Like, I am in charge of your livelihood. That is not a thing that we can do. And I thought, you know, that conversation really happened with me too, like five, six years later. So I thought there was something really interesting and progressive about that happening. But I thought their romance was quite great. And also, to go back to the whole calling back characters from other books, I forgot that that book has the two leads from her first contemporary romance, <laughs> Course of Action, awesome. which is one of the first 10 sapphic romances I've ever read. It is still a comfort read. It is not a perfect book. And it's when anybody's first book is never going to be a perfect book. So I never, right. I try not to hold that against them. But I love <laughs> those characters so much and their passion so much. And so it's like, I see them too. So I've just had like a great week of hanging out with favorite <laughs> former characters. That's great. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk about to go back to Limelight, we're going to go all the way back to the book that I'm actually recommending, <laughs> Limelight. And I want to talk about the concept of happy for now 
versus happy happily ever afters for in romance because as long as the story has one or the other then it still qualifies as a romance because romances as the genre do require that optimistic ending right for a leading couple or thruple or however many are ending up together at the end and I think this is where I got thrown off a little bit. And I don't think this is a bad thing, but I think it's worth discussing so that other people, if you pick it up because I'm recommending it, you actually know what you're getting yourself into. I went into Limelight expecting a full-on happily ever after because that's really what we typically get in the sapphic romance community. It's quite rare <laughs> for us to get a happy for now, which is where you read it and you're like, okay, they're they're good for now. Are they going to be together for the long haul? I'm not 100% sure, but like maybe. And so I was reading it. And I was like, okay, this is this is a slow burn. That's cool. And then I got to the 60% mark and, and I was like, six zero, 60, not 16. I realized I said that kind of unclear. But I was like, what's uh what's happening? Uh are we getting nothing, a sex scene? Nothing is happening. <laughs> are we getting uh are we getting a sex scene anytime soon? Nope. Or is there gonna be is there gonna be no sex? Is there mm. gonna be a door closed on the sex? Are they actually are they getting together? What's happening? I know this is a romance. What is happening? And so I found the timing kind of puzzling. I mean, they actually, they do sleep together. They, we have a sex scene, but it doesn't happen until the 95% mark. And I was like, this is very unusual for a romance. And then this is kind of the one, if I'm going to give the book a con, this is kind of the one thing that that didn't really work for me. So you get to the end of the the sex scene and it's and it's in sort of the last chapter and then it says epilogue and I was like, "Awesome, I need an epilogue for this book. I want to know what happens." But the epilogue is basically like, "Okay, and then the next day." And so, oh wow. I feel like if it would have been labeled as a chapter and like I don't know if this is nitpicky and I'd be curious to know in your experience as an author writing books and deciding what to do with epilogues and all that mm -hmm. I am not asking you to speak for this author or this book just generally speak to them but I think if this would have been labeled as chapter number whatever I wouldn't have thought anything of it it would have ended and I would have said mm -hmm. fuck yeah that mm -hmm. was perfect that was a home run but I think by labeling it as an epilogue, it actually left me more confused. And so I had to sleep on it. And then I went, oh, this story is a happy for now because they've only known each other for seven weeks. Yes, there is an I love you thrown out there. I am a skeptic. Perhaps I have a little black heart. I don't think I do, but who can <laughs> say? But it really left me craving mm. another epilogue. Like I want to see them a year later, mm -hmm. I want to see them more settled where they really, they're comfortable together. They know how to talk to each other. They've perhaps healed some of their traumas. But that was kind of where I was like, mm, what is, and I realized it was actually just a labeling thing. So I don't know if you've noticed anything about other, about epilogues in general. So here's what I know about epilogues is readers love them. They want them like you, they crave them. And maybe this was a timing thing where there wasn't enough time to to pursue an epilogue. But as long as you have epilogue, people feel complete, you know. But mm. I, I I think that you're right. I think that like the it should have been a chapter if it was the next day. That's not really an epilogue. Like I yeah. said, the epilogue shows 
in the future them either together whether it's a you know still dating or a happy ever after or happily for now or whatever Mm -hmm. um it's 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 more like just we're answering and we want to know too i mean honestly i want to know my characters what's happening three months from now like they finally Mm -hmm. worked everything out like what is happening in their lives so uh that's how i approach it and i always expect an epilogue in a book um yeah it's and if I don't if I don't put an epilogue in my book, like my readers come after me. Like, where's the epilogue? Where's the oh wow? The, yeah, they come after me. Like I've only done it like one or two times where I didn't have an epilogue. Yeah, I mean, because... I could be wrong about if it was literally the next day, but it went from basically the aftermath of the second last episode of the Limelight series. To sounds like it. Yeah, the epilogue is the final episode of the series. So, I mean, I don't know enough about reality shows to know, would they film those episodes back to back? Would there be a week in between? But like, if Mm. we're going from episode to episode in the show, I don't know. It just, it felt like that was the only thing. Like, I think if it could have, if that could have been changed, I would have called this hands down a perfect happy for now. Uh. So I think I'm going to call it that anyway. Because that's just a labeling issue. That's not a content issue. So this is a perfect happy for now. The one content warning I want to give for people is if you have a hard time reading about toxic family in a novel, that's just something to be aware of. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't think it overpowers it or anything like that. But Libby's father and stepmother the reason she's estranged is that, you know, they're homophobes mm-hmm. and they resurface when she becomes famous as, you know, narcissists oh, sometimes right. do. So I know they're not real people, but I like to hope they'll get shot into the sun and that can be <laughs> what happens to them. So yeah, I really enjoyed this. I thought Libby and Palmer's story was really compelling. There was something special happening with them. I loved seeing Noelle and Helena again. So if you like competition reality show romances, if you like age gap romances. Oh, age gap. Okay. Yes. And or if you like stories where emotionally guarded people will let their walls down slowly, then this is a great book and I definitely recommend it. Sounds good. That is all for this episode. Thank you so much, as always, for joining us. If you've enjoyed the show and you haven't subscribed yet, although you probably have, if you've been sticking with us, just make sure that you uh, hit that button on your podcast app. If you have a friend that you think would like the show and needs all these media recommendations, please tell them about it. And if you would like other ways to support us and you haven't done it yet, we do have those links in our show notes to our coffee and our newsletter sign up. And maybe drop a review. Maybe yeah, drop a maybe review. Drop we would a review. appreciate it. We would yeah. love that. I would love that. You would too. Yes. That's we. (laughs) Okay. So, uh, or if you want to connect with us on your favorite social media sites, we have links in the show notes for that. Uh, Or you can search for Clearly Recommended on all the social media sites that are out there now, or just email us at podcast at queerlyrecommended.com. Goodbye, everyone. Bye. Yay!
we, we did it. survived that was like Monday cool. recording. Yeah. So I was, mine was a hot mess. So you'll have to like kind of cut out most of it. It'll be like, I liked it. It was good. <laughs> no, I think yours was fine. It's also Ugh. not like I wasn't a hot mess at points too. So, yeah. So, I mean, but I think we had good back and forth the whole time. So that's yes. nice. And that was, I think it's a good one. We had thoughtful. Uh, where's my stop button? We'll do that one. <laughs>